Warning, this episode contains adult language, mature situations, premeditated murder, regenerative immortality, claustrophobic getaway vacations, mysterious black figures, mutated people, and unethical scientific experiments. Listener discretion is advised. Episode 192, Immortal Monsters in the Dark. Uh, hello and welcome to another episode of the Spark and Mong Review. Some podcasts and many reviews about connecting dance narratives. I'm your host, Zan, saying konnichiwa, aloha, bonjourno, and what's up? We are back for another fun-filled episode, and more importantly, that it is our second episode of 2015. The far distant year of 2015. Isn't that crazy that's already 2015? Didn't it seem like it was a blink in an eye? That the time has passed? Yeah, that's nuts, man. I can't believe it. Like, three years ago, everything was different, and I was not using a phone that I feel like astronauts use in the space shuttles these days. Yeah, no, it just, it seems like, it, this is supposedly the far distant future. Every movie you've seen back in the day was, in the far distant year of 2003, or 2015, we thought this was the far distant future, and with the exception of the fact that we now have, like, portable computers as phones... The world is exactly the fucking same! <laughs> I know. You know, this is the hoverboard year. This is the Back to the Future hoverboard year. It is the Back to the Future hoverboard year. Oh, before we forget, why don't you introduce yourself to the fans? Oh, hello, fans. My name is Drew and I like comic books and manga, just like you. Yes, and all the other things that we love, because nothing's wrong with that thing. Supposedly, though, manga and comic fans are supposedly not supposed to exist. What? Yes, you're supposed to like one or the other. You can't like both. It's a... Yeah. I'm like, yeah, right. You're talking to a guy who went to the comic shop to pick up the new volume of Ajin, and I bought a bunch of Spider-Man stuff, and I bought Sandman Requiem, which should have not be called Requiem. It should be called Prequel, but whatever. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with liking more than one thing and more than one type. Yeah, but that's stuff for the youngins. The youngins are like that. The young kids... <laughs> Them damn kids. <laughs> ah, what are they doing making messes on our lawns? Oh, yeah. Yes, we're old like that. No, we're not that old. We're not old. We're not <laughs> Don't old. Don't even have a lawn. Neither do I. <laughs> but I got a car, which when you have a car, it's beautiful. But yeah. I kind of have one of those. Hey, as long as you have some sort of transportation, that's all that matters. 
I need a horse. At least it's not like, I choose to walk 20 miles to get the comic books. No, now everything is instant. <laughs> That's right. And now with the drone thing, it's going to be even more lazy. We are heading towards the Wally future of us sitting in chairs. That's fine. I love chairs, especially the comfortable ones. <laughs> yes. Bring out the comfy chair. <laughs> okay, that's a little bit of randomness. If you, you know where that's from, you get a nod, ladies and gentlemen. But if you want to check out any of our earlier episodes, you can check it out at www.sparkin.com. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, and Drew has a blog as well. Where can they find that at? All right, I run the Music City Comics blog, which you can find at www.musiccitycomics.blogspot.com. Ooh, a Blogspot website. Very true. Know it. Best way to do it. It's uh, like three steps above Zanga. Hey, it's better than GeoCities. That's true. Which apparently still exists. What was that other one? Angel Fire? Yes, Angel Fire. I think Ugh. everyone had an Angel Fire website back in the day. That's where you find all of your 16-bit characters moving around. Yes, and those and it was always random colors. You'd have green and purple and blue and your and your all your gifts moving back and forth. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Oh. Back in the age before all this. Uh, now, besides the nostalgia talk, uh, for those who don't know, you know, this is a podcast where we review and talk about different types of manga. And what? we've got a, some really good stuff today, because we have, surprisingly, compared to last episode where we talked about awesomeness, this episode we're talking about more fucked upness. You're probably wondering, what do we mean? Well, if you remember from the last episode, I spun that one, that only... The Wheel of Manga. It dictated unto me that I'd be reviewing a manga that was written by Suina Murai, and it was designed by Gemon Sakurai. This is a manga which was released by that lovely company Kodansha and picked up by our friends at, yes, that one, that only, Vertical Comics. Yeah, All right. Going, they're no longer Vertical Ink. They're now Vertical Comics. Just like the WWF became the WWE, something happened, so Vertical is now... <laughs> Vertical Comics. I don't know what happened. I'm not. Gonna... And they said manga and comics can't mix. Eh, well, it's a whole thing because Godansha owns them and also Dainy Pawn printing. But anyway, so this was brought to us not by Ed. He tried to, to get the translation out, but, uh, well, we had a co-ransom translating it. This is also released in Good Afternoon. It's still coming out. There's currently five volumes and was released in 2012. And it's an action-adventure-horror-mystery-sci-fi series. I'd say it's a senin, but you could argue that it's a shonen. And the manga I'm talking about is Ajin, or as we have it over here, Ajin Demihuman. Mm. Now, this manga is pretty cool also because it was picked up by Crunchyroll and they've been releasing the series on their manga app. So you can read oh, it nice. on there or you can get in the actual store and it's such a different take on things because the whole premise is that in this future about 15 years ago so this is obviously in the future but 15 years ago this person was found that they called the soldier of god for some reason he wouldn't die hmm. so they end up studying him they find there's other people like this that have this mysterious ability where they are unable to die they regenerate and because of that, if they're found out, the local government picks them up, and they disappear. I mean, the first image in the manga is one of the Ajins, who has label 002, bandaged up, and they have a gun to his head, and they say to advance mankind, and they shoot him in the skull. 
What? Yeah. Pretty much, this is a future where if you come back as a zombie and you're immortal, the government will experiment on you. Mm. And our main character, Kay Nagai, he's this kid who is starting to be a doctor. Life is going good for him. You know, he's studying to be the best he could be. He's a workaholic. He's this one friend who's a little weird, who he just kind of ignores. And unfortunately, something happens. He gets in a motorcycle accident. And he comes back and he's like, oh god, he realizes he died. And he came back, so he is an Ajin, and he's like, oh shit, they're going to arrest me. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Uh, all right, uh, I'm fine. I'll just walk away. There's The bike is damaged, but I'll be good. I can just walk away, go home, right? One small problem. Uh, his helmet was left there. Oh. Yeah, well, th- that usually isn't a problem. You know, it's his helmet. You can say, oh, someone stole my helmet, this, that, and the other thing, right? Yeah. Uh, the small problem is that inside the helmet is his head. <laughs> oh man, that's tough to spin. Yeah, so he—it's literally like I am fucked. <laughs> it's like, hey, you're a demi-human, huh? And he's like, no, I'm not. Promise, I'm not. I'm just a normal human. Well, explain this. Oh fuck. So sounds like he was really helping the government get ahead in their research. Uh-huh. So he calls his friend Kaito, who is a, the kid I told you who was a little weird, who the school kind of excommunicated because he's a little bit weird, he's a little indifferent. So he calls the one kid he knows because his friends have completely ostracized him because he is no longer human. He's not a human anymore. They will call the police to get a reward for him, and he's no longer has any rights now because he is now classified as a demi-human. So he runs off, and his friend is helping him. Meanwhile, there's some other stuff going on, including this mysterious figure that he sees that does stuff for him. But no one else could see him. But other demi-humans apparently have the same thing. It's almost like an avatar. Or it's like a stand, almost. If you follow JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, it's like a a mysterious person that protects them or does things for them. Interesting. Then from there, it goes further into him trying to escape, the government's trying to catch him, and some of the other demi-humans apparently are trying to get him to join their side. So what they do is they help him out, but then they give him to the government, and then they break him out and say, oh, he... They killed one of our friends, and now you can join us and help us out. Don't trust the humans. The humans are shit. <laughs> Which is kind of a cool fucking premise, because the fact is, most times it's, oh, join my side. We could rule over the humans. No, these guys yeah. literally say, okay, we'll make him join us out of necessity by fucking with him. Okay, yeah, that is interesting. You're right. Let me ask you this real quick. So it's about people with special abilities that regular people don't have. Specifically, they can they're, not die. They're immortal. Yeah. And they had the psychic uh, stand-esque ability. That's really interesting. And you mentioned that there was someone labeled 002? Yeah. There's only a certain amount of them who are labeled. And I think he is number 37? Oh, okay. That's interesting that they designate them. That's... And that adds another aspect to the story. Yeah, because there's more of them, and one of them actually works for the government. And the deal is, and they explain, like, the deal is, she's allowed to walk around as long as she helps them out. Huh. Man, that's very interesting. That sounds really good. No, it's a very good story. It's very dark. It's twisted, which is perfect for vertical ink, because they always have these twist stories. And I love the fact that it takes the concept of being immortal and puts it really on its head. Because most times, you're immortal. You just have to hide from everybody because your family will wonder about you or you'll go to prison. No, this is, if you're immortal, everyone finds out you are wanted by everybody. That's pretty intense. This shows the dark side of immortality. Do, do they age? Uh, no. Oh. Yeah, and apparently, I mean... The fact that humanity wants these Ajins to benefit humanity, because they'll 
experiment on them to find diseases is kind of a noble cause, but it's also a very fucked up cause because these are human beings, essentially, just with a weird genetic quirk. That's crazy that there's a whole group of them. So do you think that the story is going to go to a point where, like, I mean, the more of them there are, then do you think that the story is going to go to a point where they start to, like, phase out regular humans? Or If there was a large percentage, I'd be like, yeah, but there's only 50 of them total. Oh, man. So it's not even like the X-Men's M-Day where there's, what was it, 800 left, or was it 300? Uh, 198. That's right, 198. There were 198 mutants left on the planet. It's not even that level. It's it's a third of that. Wow. Wow, that makes the stakes a lot higher, even though they can't die. Yeah, and it's it's a shame because also you have Kay, his sister, is being used by the government. Like, they kidnapped her and they tortured her to bring him to her to save the day, and she won't even acknowledge him. Huh. She says, I don't have a brother. It's like the minute they found out that uh, Ajin, oh, nope, it's really just a very brutal story. It's dark, it's twisted, and it's visceral. Yeah, yeah, it sounds it. At one point, one of the characters is remembering the past, and he remembers that he thought they would never find him, they'd never catch him, and then he gets a package on his doorstep, and the package is his arm, which would regenerate. No, his arm regenerated, because they lose their limbs, they regenerate the limbs. That's crazy. That's That sounds like an insane series, in a good way. Yeah, no. So what would you compare the violence level to? Like, is it like Gantz level, or...? Um, yeah. It's Well, Gantz is a little bit over the top. Same thing with Berserk. It's not that level, but I'm going to oh, okay. say... It's not even Riccio level. It is... I'm trying to think of a good example for what it is, but I don't see it. Kind of like Jack Frost, I'd say, where it was, oh, okay. it was a more, that was uberly violent, but it's more stylized violence that is done in a better way. Cause it's not every page is super bloody, but the scenes which are bloody, like when they break out 003, you see him walking through a military facility using the ability to kill them all and using the, the quote unquote black figure to fight. Cause no one can see the black figure, but he shreds shit. Like it's almost like like how stand affects human people. It's it's crazy. Yeah, it sounds like the series takes a lot of ideas that have kind of already been around, but then creates something completely original by combining them all. At first, when I saw the figure, I thought it was going like Dead Man Wonderland with the Red Man. Yeah, which that has gone completely. That series has gone completely. It not jumped the shark, but that's gone crazy. But. <laughs> This, I see parallels to Highlander, to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, to a cons- most conspiracy stories. I love the horror aspect of it, because it's almost a zombie story, but not really. Mm-hmm. And compared to the last zombie book we talked about, where it was that zombieism is an STD, this is a lot better. Yeah, absolutely. The third volume actually just came out in February 5th, I believe. So, it is commercial release. It's selling really well and it is something dark and twisted and the art style is so just choice i mean some of them are just unusual but other ones you just want to stare at and examine every little piece of it Hmm. if that makes sense yeah that makes sense that sounds that sounds really cool gemon sakai's art style it's it's i don't want to say it's it's unique because it's not but it is Unique enough from other stuff that it has its own place to it. Okay. If that makes sense. Because I can see. <laughs> I, th- I think I get what you're saying. Uh, but for those of you who are out, pretty much it's a little generic, 
but it has enough difference where you could differentiate it from something else. Like you could look at another scene that's like this, you could say, okay, I could pick out Ajin from it. But I digress. Overall, it's really good manga. It's, style is done well. The concept is done well. The characters are, they have their own backstory already, and it doesn't info dump everything on you. You don't find out how Kai got caught until the second volume where he flashes back to it. You know they know he's a demi-human, you know they're after him, but you don't know why he is until the next volume where you see he the motorcycle with a decapitated head. <laughs> I mean, I like that. And there's also the one who's working with the government. I like her. She's interesting. I wonder why she's helping them when she knows she's being sent to kill her own kind. I mean, there's got to be a control or something going on there. And they don't give it all. It's laying it just breathe and percolate, and you it's developing slowly. Yeah, I think um, with a story like the one you're describing, I think it's really important that they keep some of those secrets back and not tell everybody everything at once, because with something as expansive as this, it sounds like it would be too much exposition all in one volume if they were to just let it all out of the bag, you know? Yeah, and the fact that there isn't a lot of exposition that it shows, then tells, I like that. I like that it doesn't feed me everything at once. It lets you just think about it. And for that reason alone, out of our five-point rating system, I'm going to have to give this really, really, really fucking cool. If you don't read this now, your brain will freeze your eyes open, your soul will be forfeit to the great Zolma Gustav. Wah-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha. It is really fucking good. I like reading it. I can't wait to see where it goes next. And I own it, and I have it on Crunchyroll. And I may have another version of it. But it's still worth reading. Yeah, definitely. It sounds like it. Yep. So you ready to go? Alright. It's gonna be, that's a tough act to follow, but you got this. give it a you, shot. You got this, Drew. You got this, Drew. Alright. So I also looked over a horror comic. It is a Japanese manga called Hideout, which was written by Masasumi Kakizaki, who also did the art for the book. The original run was the American version was done by Big Comic Spirits, and the Japanese version was originally published by Shogokuken. I would say that it is a seinen story, a psychological horror, definitely. The story concentrates on Seiichi Kirishima and Miki Kirishima, who are both on a vacation on a vacation island off the coast of Japan. It doesn't specify where it is. Basically, their son had died recently, and they were just trying to figure out a way to fix their marriage, and so they thought that maybe a vacation would be the best way to go. Uh, how the Sun Die, you'll have to read to find out. It's pretty tragic. So they're on this vacation, and the wife will not stop blaming the husband for the death of their son. And they're driving along the mountainside. I guess they rented a car, and the car runs out of gas. When that happens, the wife just completely breaks loose. And the, the wife is Miki Kirishima. And Miki just starts telling Seichi that she blames everything on him, and that it's all his fault, and he just gets fed up. He starts yelling at her and they decide to go find a place to get some gas for the car. While they're walking past the car, Seiichi grabs a wrench out of the trunk because he just gets too fed up with Miki and decides that he's going to try to take care of her. When Miki catches on to what's going on, she starts running, and she runs into a cave. Seiichi follows her and strikes her down with the wrench, and then after he strikes her down, he looks behind him, and there is a strange child with very, very wide-set eyes, but kind of an old man face, it's hard to explain, who just sees the woman on the ground and whispers mama and runs away. Now, after he runs away, Seiichi decides that he has to go find him, because obviously he can't leave any witnesses. Well, obviously, well, as, the wife's yeah. not the perfect crime. Yeah, obviously. I don't know what he's going to do with the wrench, but he starts chasing after his little boy. 
he finds himself lost in the cave and falls down in the dark stupor that he's kind of in. And as he falls down, he notices that his flashlight is still kind of all right. So he picks it up and there's an older man, like a, I would say senior citizen age who has a beard, but he also has a craggly, almost undead looking face and wide set eyes. And he swings a machete at Seiichi. So Seiichi is still running down the tunnel. He finds a metal hatch in the ground and says, all right, I'm just going to, this is the best option. I don't know what's down there, but it's got to be better than what's up there. So he goes down the tunnel and there's just a bunch of rooms and one room has a woman chained up and he's obviously confused, obviously scared, but still feeling the rage from his wife's anger. And he gets knocked out by the old man who followed him down. Then he wakes up chained to a chair and that is all in the first chapter of the story i'm assuming from there it gets all psychological and torture porny um it's hard to say it's not so much torture porn like the story doesn't just concentrate on that which i think is really beneficial to it the story has a series of flashbacks which show the situation leading up to them going to the island and then it goes right back to seichi who is sort of narrating the situation and showing that unlike the other people who have been taken by this older gentleman gentleman i use loosely Unlike them, he's clearly not afraid of the situation and is looking at it very methodically and like he will find a way out. Uh, from there, there's a bunch of twists and turns and characters come and go, you know. The cast is very small, but the characters come and go and it's surprising every time you see them again. As far as the art is concerned, it's in the cave. There's very dark and threatening backgrounds. Like, it's not super bright, not just because it's a cave, but because of the way that the artist draws. But the drawings of the rock walls don't make the panels seem too crowded. But then the full page spreads, which there are numerous of in this, are very picturesque and, I would say, realistic. The facial expressions are very important to this story, though, especially in a psychological horror tale. They slowly change and shows every character throughout the story going from normal to scared to just downright insane you know i'm looking at some of the images from this and it is very like the scenes in the cave they utilize the black space the negative space very well Mm -hmm. yeah they definitely do and like in the very beginning in like the second or third page seichi's kind of introducing himself and he says that he can tell that the person is still looking at him. And at that point, you don't know what is looking at him. And there's just these like wooden slats on the wall. And there's these two huge round eyes just staring at him. And it is intense. I read it last night while the lights were off because it was on my phone. And I'm not going to lie. It frightened me quite a bit. Those are the best type of stories when you get really freaked out by them. Yeah, they definitely were. The only thing that I will say against this story is like many... Well, I won't say many, but like some one-volume stories, it seems like they really tried to jam a lot of information in. And while I don't think this story should have exceeded nine chapters, I think that it could have used, if it just kind of cut a couple of the flashbacks out, it could have remained more true to the source material instead of being like, okay, so we're finally at this point in the story, if that makes sense. (laughs) No, that makes perfect sense, because it seems almost like this should have been a movie almost. Oh, if it were, like, let me think. It's kind of... If I were to compare it to a movie, I would say it's kind of like The Descent, if The Descent didn't have those little golem-looking dudes and just had a crazy old man zombie-esque fellow. I'm curious, though, if it is based off of anything, though, because it seems prime for a film. Yeah, it really does. It's very cinematic. So, was there anything really shocking about it? 
mm-hmm. or something that stuck out in your mind? Because most horror manga have that moment, like we'll say in Gyo with the fart copter, or we'll say <laughs> in Lychee Light Club, the scene when all the Light Club members torturing the teacher and cutting her, removing her skin. Is there something which just sticks out like that in this? Yes. There's a scene that happens with the wife, Miki, and you don't see it coming. And when it does, it is completely shocking. It's nothing I've talked about in that plot synopsis, but when it happens and when you see what happens to her, it's not even that it's that horrible to see. It's just completely shocking because you don't expect it. I'm curious, though, as to what it is. But I'll have to wait and read, I think. Yeah, and and obviously when you actually find out what happens to the sun, it's not graphic, but it's it's upsetting, you know? So that's is, pretty Is this shocking. one of those things like the Trilogy of Terror where it's, I want to resurrect my son, but the fact is you threw your son off of the cliff type situation? <laughs> no, there's nothing supernatural about this story. I mean, it's alluded to that something could be, but there's nothing that's specifically like... They want to bring the sun back, or there are certain forces on this island that they don't understand. It also really builds on that claustrophobia feeling, which horror buffs love. <laughs> which, it's it's the best way to do it, because that's what you want, is that claustrophobia, that uncomfortable feeling, where there is no refuge from the, what's coming to get you. Yeah, and the art really does uh, lend itself to that. I know I talked about it a little bit earlier, but the tunnels seem like they're... They're not narrow, but they're not too wide, and every single panel looks similar to the last. Like, when he first runs into the tunnel, it seems like it's just a a straight shot to the back, but then when he tries to escape the tunnel, you can see that it's more of a labyrinth. Really, it sounds like something that should be made to, like, a TV show or a movie. That'd be awesome. If it were a TV miniseries, that would be legit. Could it be done live action, you think, or no? It had to be animated. Oh, it could be. I think it could be, but it all depends on how it's filmed. Because if it were done in, like sort of Walking Dead cinematography level, it wouldn't be that scary, but if it were somewhere between Walking Dead and The Strain, but in a cave, then that kind of thing would be cerebral and terrifying. So you'd want something like um, As Above, So Below, or not the held camcorder level, but... Yeah, I think that that would um I think that would definitely be good in the story, but the, the one thing to keep in mind is that unlike a lot of those types of fictions this only has basically one antagonist who is our main character the well the old man the old man the old man is the i guess the antagonist to the antagonist okay uh obviously seichi is an antagonist to his wife and to himself in some parts but the old man is the one who's hunting him down and who's torturing him yeah. He's a spry old guy. Is he just, or is he, is, is he just wearing an old man mask? <laughs> he might be. It's, I after seeing the eyes that these guys have, I can believe it's a mask. But no, it's creepy stuff. Out of our five phrase ratings, what would you give it? I have no problem giving this a borrow it from a friend and never return it unless offered Pocky. Nice. So it's good, but not. So what drops it down though? So what makes it? Yeah, it's just what I said earlier, where it just seems a little rushed for a one-volume story. Okay, so you would have liked more room to breathe, almost? Yeah, it either had to be a couple more pages, or a little less backstory. Okay, that works, right there. Would you like to read more by Masami Kazazaki? Um, from what I heard, he has a couple other stories that are a little, kind of, they make you think, and they're a little dark, um, and I'm a big fan of that sort of story, so I would definitely check it out. And his art style is definitely 
unique to him and I think that the way that he handles atmosphere and background would definitely make me more interested in reading one of his stories again. From these images, it seems very different than what I'm used to. Yeah, when you see, like, the old man or the little boy and they have these wide-set eyes, those are definitely unique facial expressions. But other than that, I would say that, for the most part, the character models and how they look and a lot of the gore is similar to the Battle Royale manga. Yeah, where it's it's that... Hyperviolent? Yeah, it's hyperviolent. I guess that's exactly what it would be. Yeah, no, because Ajin isn't that level of hyperviolent where you see the eyeball exploding and you see you actually like the bullet go through. It's mm-hmm. more clean, and then you just see the after effects. Kind of. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, that's I would I would lump it into that category. Sounds like you enjoyed this manga a lot. I did. Well, we'll find out if you'll enjoy the next manga, but first. Remember, you can check out our earlier episodes at www.spyrokin.com. You can email us at at gmail.com. I'm at zanspyrokin.com. You can find me at musiccitycomics at gmail.com. Um, you can find me at Twitter at JustDrewVG. Okay, JustDrewVG. Not a bad one. That's, that's really good. Mine's just at Sparkin. Simple. Easy. But yours <laughs> yeah, is more is yours. But so, <laughs> let's get to that part we've all been waiting for. What am I talking about? It's time for that one. <laughs> That only the manga. Except no substitute. Now, for those of you who don't know, the Wheel of Manga is a Wheel of Fortune with ten slots on. What we're going to do is we're going to spin that Wheel of Manga. What number number it lands on, that's what we're going to be reviewing in the next episode of the Spark and Manga Review. Now, the list has been randomized by Drew, so when we spin it, I'm going to be spinning for him because we are not in the same room. Unfortunately, even though this sounds crystal clear, like we're right there next to each other, we're actually doing this over Skype. So, unfortunately, he will not be able to actually spin the wheel, but I will spin for him, and we'll see what we're going to do. I trust you. All right, so let us spin and see what you're going to review in the next episode. All right. You got number five. Number five, which is... One, two... Oh, Triple X-Holics. Yes, you get to talk about Clamp's most intriguing and endearing series, Holic. Yes. That's cool. The fates have decided. Yes, and this is the original Holic, not Holic Ray, which is the sequel. We can talk about how the universe does not want Wantaduki. <laughs> there is no room Sounds for cool. there is no room for Watanuki on desert planet. That should be a T-shirt. It should be a T-shirt, but he's his own. But Watanuki, uh, anyway. we can talk about that in the next episode. <laughs> so let me spin and see what I'm going to be reviewing. There we go. Okay, so I've gotten number four. So in the next episode, I'm going to be reviewing a manga about a autonomous being, good robot. That sounds cool. I have no idea what it's about. I found out about it literally today. I guess we'll see. It might be really good or it might be really terrible. We'll find out in that next episode. Yeah, so I guess that's it for this episode. Um, Anything else, ladies and gentlemen? I hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll catch you next time. Uh, I'm Zan. I'm Drew. We're Gonsville. Catch you next time.